Hi, I'm Gracie Mercedes, and welcome back to Not Blank Enough, a podcast about everyday insecurities and triumphs. Today's episode is with artist and creator Aaron Jennings. We spoke about nepotism in Hollywood, growing up with actor parents, physical insecurities, and not fitting in. All this and more in today's episode titled, Not Secure Enough. Hi, Aaron, and welcome to Not Blank Enough. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I love you so much. You know this. I'm very excited to have you on and to talk to you and to definitely give you some shit because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, Gracie. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> so, of course, Aaron and I know each other because we get to play Anthony and Faye on Grand Crew, Fanthony. Yeah, possibly. Anthony, possibly. We'll see. We'll see. Right? We'll see what happens in the season two. Season, yeah. So, Aaron, tell me about your upbringing. I know you're from Los Angeles. Tell me a little about your childhood. Well, yeah, as you know, I'm born and raised here in Los Angeles, California. Very, very proud of that fact. So, two artist parents. You know, both my mom and my dad are are actors, and you know, definitely was always exposed to the arts and always going to going to plays and going to musicals and going to, you know, dance recitals and on sets and so on and so forth, museums, exhibits, uh, which was really cool. I mean, to, to have that exposure. I think now I realize how cool that is mm. or how, how amazing that was to have grown up in that, especially given what I now do. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was just it was just all that I knew. But I think having friends now that, that didn't have that upbringing, that are pursuing the arts and wishing that they sort of had a familial system to sort of like support them. Like I realized how, yeah. how amazing that was. But then on the flip side of that, right, you know, you have, <laughs> <laughs> I think I've told you, you know, before I'm like, I don't know that I could ever really see myself seriously dating uh, an actress anymore, right? You know, I, I just think there's just too much competition in the, in the house or competition in the relationship and it can just breed some weird stuff. So I mean, my parents are still together and they love each other and, you know, that, that's all fine and dandy, but it wasn't always the the most ideal house to grow up in, if I'm being honest. You know, there's a lot of, they're passionate people <laughs> and, and neither one of them is going to back down from the other. And so, you know, it, I definitely had to be in the middle of a lot of, you know, arguments and disagreements. That's so interesting. I never thought about that, of like being the, the kid of, two artists, two actors in particular. Yeah. And what that must be like. Because, you know, us actors, we can be a little we can emotional be a little much, and passionate. You know? and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, and and you know, like dramatic. Dramatic for sure. You know, I, hey look, and, and I'm speaking from from knowing that that's how I am myself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not I'm there's no judgment passed on on anyone but but yeah it's it can be it can be a bit bit rough and I, and I'm sure you know I do have friends who who have also been raised by two two actors specifically and I don't know per se with all of them that they've had the same upbringing I think there's always going to be parallels that we can draw upon and some of it's just human nature as well right I yeah. mean I don't think I realized I don't think I attributed it to to that as much as I do now, as I was growing up, I think now, you know, as you get older, you you can kind of have a more objective perspective and you're able to see your parents as just, as, as less as just your parents, but like as just human beings, right? Mm-hmm. And you see their patterns, you know, their individual patterns and collective patterns and all that and stuff. And so I love them dearly. I love them so much, but yeah, they still to this day, 
you know, have their ways as we all do. And, so. and when you were growing up, did you want to be an actor when you were young, like your parents, or did that come later? Not really. No, I, mm. I don't think so. I was I was very shy as a, as a kid. For instance, you know, growing up, I grew up also in in the church. You know, so like, I grew up in an AME church and was on the youth usher board. At one point, I was like president of YPD or vice president. I forget which one. I was in the mm. choir. We, you know, we were always active to some extent. Myself and my brother, who's four and a half years older than me. Anyway, they were, they would have like you know Christmas recitals. <laughs> I can remember when it came to me. You know, I'd be at the fuel pit and it'd be my time to recite whatever. And I would just go, I would, I would just go cold, you know, and then my brother would have to come up and hold my hand and help me recite it. Aww. Yeah. And I still get outgoing. I was outgoing, but then I, I like also just didn't like speaking in public. I still don't necessarily love that. Like, you know, like this gives me a lot of anxiety. I know you seem a little nervous. Yeah. It does <laughs> give me a lot of anxiety because I'm always just like... I'm always worried that I'm going to be like ripped apart, you know, and and so I'm I'm never unable to get out of my head fully in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I mean, I I was a very shy kid, like very like painfully shy kid. But at home, I was like the performer, right? I was always like doing something for my my mom and my aunt, and my grandma, and like dancing to Michael Jackson and making them watch me and doing all these <laughs> things. But like out in the world, I was like. I wouldn't leave my mom's side. Yeah. And I like wouldn't, I couldn't look people in the eye until like almost late in high school. What? Yeah. I was like super shy and insecure. I know a lot of people don't know that about me because I'm so like outgoing now. That's like, that's like so, yeah, I would never ever have guessed that about you. Like what the, huh? No. But yeah, if you ask my mom, like I was, she would like kind of like yell at me to be like, go, go play with the kids. Like get out of here. Like I, and I would just be like a little little nerd like stuck to my mom so I, I get that for sure and I I think I always loved performing and acting but you know like you know like I've said on this a million times like I didn't start really pursuing it until much later in life so so I get that what was school like for you oh man school was rough for me I think coming up I never really performed well in school or I never performed as well as I could have I always tested very very high but you know, then the, the teachers would say, well, he tests so high, but then he's not applying himself, right? Mm, mm -hmm. And and truthfully, I think at an early age, me and school developed this like weird relationship and, and it became sort of like my, my biggest enemy. It also just made me develop this insecurity about like not being enough, not being smart enough, honestly. Like, mm -hmm. you know, with the private schools here in LA, my parents made sure that they, you know, sent us to the best schools because obviously at the 90s, a lot of gang violence and, and just LAUSD just you know, notoriously isn't isn't a good school district. And so mm -hmm. parents sent me to these schools. But oftentimes, you know, myself and my brother would be, you know, one of few black kids amongst the sea of white or yeah. white and Asian. And yeah, so I, I would get into I would have like a lot of behavioral issues that would that would come up, you know, and they would they would contact my parents for this thing or the other. And not not all of it was, you know, some of it was my fault, my doing. But <laughs> you you like were you getting into fights? What do you like what do you mean behavioral issues? I mean, granted, this is private school, so it wasn't like I was getting into fights, fights. I would fight for sure, but not maybe in the way that you think. I would forge my parents' signature on a test that I received back, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, just not turning in assignments, I think. Like it was just it was just it was it would be like that were you bored in school i was mm -hmm. very very bored i found myself not to be like as stimulated and i don't think i learned the way that those schools in particular sought to teach their students very sort of regimented very 
in the box. And, you know, I learned later in life that I, I like to think very much outside of the box and, mm-hmm. and I'm stimulated by other things. And, and I don't know if you know this, but I dropped out of high school. So like school and me, like definitely didn't get along. So you never went back to high school? I ended up getting my GED and diploma through like an independent study program. Mm. And then from there, I just decided to pursue my acting for a year and had some good luck in that. But then the writer's strike happened and both films that I was said to be doing Mm. ended up getting canned or getting shelved. And so that's when I was like, you know what, maybe I should go to school because my parents were like, well, you know, you want to become an actor and so you should learn your craft. And Mm. you you also want to have something to fall back on. My brother had gone to Michigan. Like I said, my parents are both, you know, college graduates. And so, you know, for me not to was definitely not the norm in our, in our family. I mean, I have members that are like at John Hopkins and Harvard. And mm-hmm. so anyway, I think that kind of, you know, that made me doubt myself a little bit. And then I went off to school for a year and a half and then came back after that and just kind of got back to work in, in my acting. Did you still feel not smart enough? Like when you went back to school? Absolutely. I think, I think to this day, there's, there's, there's a part of me that, that never feels smart enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially like, if you were to place me, like, I think I was watching something the other day with my girlfriend and, and she said something to the extent of like, oh my gosh, like studying for this test or, you know, I can't, I remember having to study for a test and I was like, yeah, that, that's like one of my worst nightmares. Like having to study for a <laughs> test right now, you know, like, or going back to school. Oh, I know. I actually still have night. I still have, I still have nightmares to this day, not nightmares, but I still dream about going back to school. And like being in high school and then like having to finish and graduate, mm. like, like it's still very much, I think, in my subconscious. Yeah, it seems like something that maybe like bothered you. And, I, and it makes sense because you were saying like because your family all went to college and, and it sounds like maybe this is something in your subconscious that's like like a little bit of an insecurity for you. Yeah, a lot of bit of an insecurity. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I get that too. I mean, I actually was a nerd and and liked school and did nerd. more well in school. <laughs> no. You know, it's so funny. As well as I did, I always felt like I could do better. Like I'm like, I could get straight A's if I tried harder, but I'm not trying hard enough. You know what I mean? And then yeah. and then I also felt like not smart enough throughout college for sure. And then just in life, I think more than even in school, I, I always, I constantly feel like everyone's smarter than me. Yeah. And especially yeah. in conversations. I'm like, what are they talking about? Right. <laughs> Partly I attribute that is that I have a horrible memory and it's really hard for me to remember anything. I can attest to this, this horrible memory. Yeah. I have a really bad memory. It's actually frightening. I'm like, I'm definitely going to have some issues when I'm an old lady. Okay. So we got one. I, I love it. What were you like in high school? Like, were you popular? Did you date all the ladies? To go back to your earlier question, in fact, you asked me, like, did I always want to become an actor? The answer mm-hmm. was no. I was a basketball, like, hey, I mean, that was that was number one for me. I thought for sure. I don't know that I ever really, really thought as far as like the NBA, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to go D1 and play ball. But you were not tall enough, maybe? Woo! I knew it was coming. <laughs> I set you up for it. I literally set you up for it. So it's all good. Aaron and I, let me explain to our audience <laughs> that Aaron and I love, love to argue about height. You made it a thing. I made it a thing. Jokingly at first, but then it's it's become our little bit because really I just didn't want to wear heels on camera. <laughs> so the excuse I made was if I wear heels on Grant Crew, I'm yeah, going to be taller than Aaron. Taller than Aaron. Which, 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 which is true. Depending on the size of the heel. I mean, like, let's not act like, you know, I don't want the I don't want the listeners to be out there like, well, how short is he? Like, you know what I mean? Like, nah, I'm not short. I'm an average, 
height male, 5'11". Like, mm, 5'10". All right, well, you know. With a boot, I'm 5'11". You know what I mean? Fuck it. Anyway, anyway moving on, moving on. Yeah. Anyway, so, so ninth grade, I, I went to a, a school. It was a magnet in Compton, King Drew Medical Magnet. And I played as a freshman on varsity that year. And then decided that I wanted to transfer schools after my ninth grade year and went to a private school in Santa Monica by the name of New Roads. Yeah, in high school, I was pretty popular. I'm not going to front. Like, I was popular. <laughs> yeah, I was a ladies' man. I was definitely just having a, a good time. You know what I mean? I think after ninth grade, when I left <laughs> when I left King Drew, CIF rules, you have to sit out a year. So, like, I, I wasn't going to be playing basketball. And, and I went there, truthfully, because I wanted to really just, like, focus on my artistic endeavors. So, you know, I was doing, like, film. I mean, they, it was a great private school. And they had so many liberal arts programs and, and creative arts and so I did film and I did improv and I did, I did plays. So at that point in high school, you decided you wanted to be an actor. I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. In okay. 10th grade, that's when I decided I wanted to do that. And then I also just started smoking weed in 10th grade. You know, <laughs> I was, I was, I was a pothead for my 10th grade year. In fact, oh, really? it's crazy that my parents never, I don't know if they do, but they never really seemed to find mm-hmm. out about it. Maybe they um, knew and just were like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's uh, Better than crack. I mean, I was still in my mom's weed, to be honest, some of the times, you know. So, <laughs> not to put her business out there, but you just did it. It's legal now, so it doesn't matter. It's legal now, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's all good. So you were a ladies' man. A little bit, you know. And yeah, I was, I was popular with a lot of different groups. I think that's kind of when I really, really sort of came into myself, I guess, as like a chameleon, right? Mm. Like, which I like to think I can do in my work as well. Our school, though, it was not a large school. And I think, granted, you know, given rather like sort of my upbringing, like I grew up, I grew up in West Adams, but I went to private schools. So I was exposed to a lot of different other neighborhoods in L.A. and a lot of different people, right, from like mm-hmm. people who, you know, Koreans and, 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 and the Jewish community and black people in my community in West Adams, right, that are like a little more lower to middle class. And then mm-hmm. the church and AAU basketball. So I was always just around in all these different communities. And, and I guess it really all came to a head when I went to New Roads in 10th grade because the mission statement of the school was very much like we want to make this as socioeconomically diverse and like diverse in, in, in gender and, and races and sexual orientations as possible. So and they preached yeah. a lot of that. And I don't know what it is now, you know, because that was some years ago. But like I really, really appreciate my time there because it was like perfect for me and who I am as a person, as a spirit, as a creative. Say all that to say like. Yeah, I would kind of hang out with like the pot smokers, but then also hang out with the jocks and also hang out with like just the black kids. And I'd hang out with obviously the theater kids and I would just kind of make my rounds. So you were like kind of like the mayor of high school, the way you're like the mayor on set, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great, no, I I don't mean it's a bad thing. Like you're so good. Like Aaron comes on set and he just like pounds, shakes hands, hugs everyone on set, like every single person, which I love. And you know everyone's name and you're always just like, you're like a joy. You you bring in this like lightfulness into a room. You know, it's like, oh, Aaron's here. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. It's like a nice uplifting feeling, I feel like. And I can see how that would come from a similar experience in high school where, you know, you were kind of friends with all the different groups and not just in this one group. Yeah, yeah, I think so, you know. And, And I genuinely like really love people. You know, mm-hmm. like I really, really do like people and I enjoy getting to know different types of people and, and really just drawing similarities, you know. And mm-hmm. I think, right, what we do as actors is like, you know, we're sort of investigative journalists or, or you know, humanitarians in that way where it's like you like you should like people. Like, you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you really should 
make it your point to sort of learn people and and this may even go back to like my dad like i can remember we would be at the mall or whatever and he would definitely sit my brother and i down and and we would just kind of like people watch you know what i mean it's something that i still to this day really love to do i love that because it just you know i don't know how long we're going to be here and it just it just it just brings me so much joy and so much of uh, so much gratitude like for the fact mm. that i am here you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah i it, it's twofold it's it's that obviously my upbringing but i think i I think I really do just enjoy people. Yeah. And when you were in high school, was there a, a blank that you can think of that you were dealing with back then? I know this. So so here's, here's the, I guess, here's the irony of it all, right? We just sort of said that, you know, I do love people and I'm able to sort of connect with a lot of different people. But I can remember, and I wrote about this when I did end up applying to college. There was a time, though, and it was in 10th grade. And it was, again, you know, I had just transferred to schools. I'm not able to play basketball. So much of my identity at that time was attached to being a, a jock and a basketball player, right? And a pretty damn good one at that. Like mm. people who know me to this day from that period of like, do you still hoop? And I'm like, do I look like I still hoop? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but, but thank you. Anyway, so I remember I, there, my dad had picked me up from school and was driving home and we were like in the car and I was looking out the window and I just started breaking down and just crying. And he was, and he pulled over and he was like, what's going on? And I was just like, I don't know like who I am mm. anymore or who I am right now. And so I think in high school, I think a part of me still was like trying to figure out where I fit, right? Because now we can look back on it and go, oh, that's so great. It's made me so versatile or it's, you know, given me more humanity or whatever. However, at the time, I didn't feel like I really truly belonged in any one place. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think that's also why I was kind of jumping around and bouncing around from different cliques and groups because I was trying to figure out which one best suited me and I fit into. And I realized that like, I don't have to, like, I don't have to fit in. Like, I don't have to be this one thing. Like, yeah. so yeah. But at the time I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't arrived at that yet. Yeah. That's so interesting. I feel that Aaron, we're more alike than you think. (laughs) I mean, I went to an all girls Catholic high school, so there wasn't a lot of like variety in the sense of clicks. You know, we were a predominantly, Latina school, like I think 90% of us were Dominican Puerto Ricans. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And then there was like a small percentage of white, Asian, and black, like African American black. Some of the Latinas were black, but it was really a Latina school. (laughs) And so there wasn't a lot of diversity in that sense. But there were definitely like cliques in other ways, you know, like the bad girls, the popular girls, the like nerdy girls, the this kind of girl, and the artsy girls. Which what clique were you in at that time? And that's the thing. I was kind of like I kind of floated around. Like oh, okay. I had my best friend was definitely like really beautiful and kind of popular and, and definitely kind of had a bad girl streak to her or ca- could have that. You know what I mean? But then okay. there were girls who were like way worse, like girls who were like bad. Like sent to the Catholic school for help. And then they were like the nerds that I, I was definitely friends with them too. But I always felt like throughout my school experience that I was kind of always like bopping around, never f- truly feeling like I belonged to any group, but that like everyone liked me. Like I, I was like, right. you know what I mean? in a weird right. way, like it's just for like, sure. oh, yeah. Yeah. you're liked, but you don't really belong. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like I'm liked, but also like I couldn't tell you at the time during high school like who my closest friend was. Right, that right, makes right, it like right. I didn't have yeah like a best friend at, yeah. in high school. Like I, yeah. when I look back on it, 
you know? Yeah. I had a best friend. The girl Maria was my best friend. She's, I still talk to her to this day. But beyond her, I wasn't really that close to anybody. And then that was also around the time where I started feeling not Latina enough, right? Because I'm in the school full of Latinas and they all speak Spanish and they all, you know, uh, and I just didn't grow up in that same type of environment. You know, my mom worked her ass off to, to send me to good schools and we lived in better neighborhoods, like middle class neighborhoods rather than lower class neighborhoods where a lot of my, these girls I went to school with lived in. You know, I remember being told you can't go to my, like my two best friends lived in the Lower East Side and back then Lower East Side wasn't the hipster well, of course you know, yeah, yeah, euphoria yeah, yeah. it is no, today. No, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. like drug dealers. <laughs> More was Wes Adams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yes, and like you know, being told you can't go over there. Like you have to, if you, if you go over there, you have to hang out in the house. You can't hang out on the street kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I do think that makes one very versatile and very able to talk to anyone because, you know, I mean, you kind of have this exposure to all kinds of people. For sure. For sure. And, and you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it yeah. had it had its challenges at the time. Yeah, maybe the maybe the blank there is like not fitting in enough or not. But but it's so funny because just something that you said made me think of this. Like, so you asked me about you know my high school experience. I told you I went to a school in ninth grade that was in Compton, and I can remember, I can remember going there, and they you know first of all my nickname was Jangalang, right? Now, if you've ever seen the movie Life, which my dad is in. Oh, okay. There's Bernie Mac's character who Jangalang, Jangalang, Jangalang. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. So because they knew who my dad was, they they decided to call me something from the film. But Jangalang was also Bernie Mac's character was a little off on the spectrum or something, right? And 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 you know I'm not sure what his sexual orientation was or whatever. Mm-hmm. So so it, it never felt like a, a like a it was never a, a nickname that I that I really like loved you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Was a term of endearment and then also i remember i would i would hear from people like man you you talk so white you talk mm-hmm. so proper you know what mm-hmm. i mean and i'm like mm-hmm. and i'm just out of brentwood you know which i don't know like you know where that is but that's like that is as, as white like arnold schwarzenegger's kids were there you know what i mean like yeah, this is an entirely different world you know what yeah I mean? and then also when they when they would come to my house like i had a couple of friends you know they, they were freshman sophomore on the varsity team as well and so we obviously clicked up and they would come to my house and a lot of them had never been on that side of town, right? Like they had never, they were most mostly South Bay, Compton, like that area, you know, even a little further Norwalk, whatever people. And so when they came, they're like, oh shit, man, you live in a mansion or you, you live in real, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, now granted, like when I was at Brentwood, I'm going to fucking Palisades, I'm going to <laughs> right. Malibu, I'm going to Brentwood, I'm going to Bel Air, like Hancock Park, whatever. And and I'm seeing for myself like real, fucking, real wealth. Yeah. yeah, real wealth. You know what I mean? It's all relative. So, so I just remember feeling like, damn. At Brentwood, though, you know, just to sort of coincide with that, like I can remember, I had a really good friend, and I would go over to his home. They live in the Palisades, I believe, or the Highlands, one of the two. And it wasn't his fault, but I can remember then, you know, trying to extend an invitation, you know, to him, and his parents wouldn't let him come over to my uh, you know what I mean so uh-huh. I just felt like damn like I'm not you know so so at Brentwater you weren't rich enough and then in Compton yeah, you were too rich you I was like too, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then at, and, then at, and then at New Roads you know which is a very like sort of in the middle of the two I guess if you were to say like mm-hmm. I don't know I, I think I, that's when I kind of really started to find myself and and I felt like there were more people sort of like me there was there's more of a 
just a middle class, right? And that didn't extend only to black people, but to or people of color, but like to yeah. even some white people who were like not living like all the whites that I had grown up with have all right, you know what right, I mean? I was like, right. Oh, like, oh, you actually live like me, like modestly, like, and so they're like, yeah, you know, and it was an interesting sort of uh, awareness. Yeah, because then you just feel like an outsider, you know, and like in either location. And I even think about that, like. I'm sure it wasn't really a thing at Brentwood, but at Compton, like having two parents who are actors and in movies and on TV shows. And what's that? What's that like? Yeah, it was. It was just like it was. Yeah. Oh, shit. Your daddy played on. That's what you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah, Okay. And oh, shit, what you doing over here, man? Oh, or or even when I made the when I made Varsity, like I can remember the feeling of like. Well, his dad, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, you know, it's just like, man, you, you just can't win either way, right? So at, at a certain point, I think, you know, I'm not saying I always uh, succeeded in this, but at a certain point, you have to sort of just drown that out mm. and you can't, let it, you can't let it get to you. So that's what I ultimately ended up doing. But then, you know, I left because I was, I just, I didn't feel, I didn't feel completely at home there. And in fact, I had a girlfriend too at the time. I lost my virginity to her. <laughs> then I broke up with her <laughs> in the summer. And I remember she, was texting my phone 187 and, and that's like what's 187 187 is like the police call for like murder right and so she was like she was she was like <laughs> threatening me because i'd broken up with her and oh my that. goodness and i just was like man i don't want to be dealing with this i felt like if i had stayed there i'd probably have like three kids right now so I, oh I just, wow I just, like, yeah me... yeah like your path would have been different right my path would have been so because your surroundings do make a difference and, and they influence you and they influence your choices. Absolutely. Yeah. So that feeling of like not belonging. Uh, and then and then and then finally at the roads, not crossroads. New roads. So, yeah. New so roads. New roads is like the sister school to crossroads. Okay, Paul got it. Started crossroads started new roads as well. Oh, got it. So at new roads was where you finally kind of felt like, OK, I belong here. These are my people. I, slowly, 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 I started to find that over the course of what the three years that I was there, leading up to my leaving, <laughs> ultimately, yeah, I felt like it helped really promote and like cultivate that understanding within me. Like it, it, it yeah, it promoted that. And so at, at the end of my time there, that's when I think I was finally like, okay, this is what I have to do. I think I need to just go pursue my acting. I'll be much happier there. I'll feel much more at home. That's my tribe. Like, and that's why I kind of went the direction that I went. So then let's talk about that. So you start pursuing acting, you leave school, start pursuing acting. How does that go? It goes really fucking well, Gracie. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, no. So I left school and I did this, I did this play, Take a Giant Step, which uh, initially was a Broadway play that Louis Gossett Jr. originated in. And I did it here in LA at a couple of theaters. And they actually turn it in the director who has since passed, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head right now. He was in the original production. Mm. And he had this idea of turning it into a musical. And so we did it as a musical and whatever. I mean, it was my Wait, first Wait, you sing? I used to. I oh, used to. you used to. Okay. But I, I can't anymore. I Phil can't. Augusta Jackson, please write that into an episode. Oh, no, crew. no, please do not. Please <laughs> not. Uh, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. And so yeah, we we uh, did this did this play, and that was my first entree into like you know professional acting. Luckily, because again, I had you know the parents that were that I have that are that are in the industry, they were able to sort of hook me up with a manager and a commercial agent. <laughs> so I can remember first going into 
the theatrical agent and the commercial agent were the same agency. Mm. And anyway, so I, I signed with this commercial agent, but I was trying to get in on the theatrical side as well. And, and I can remember like having them having this meeting and then them giving me like a, a cold read and going out into the lobby and like, you know, maybe taking 20 minutes and then going back in and giving a read. And they were just like, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think you need to kind of like go take some classes. Uh -huh. like, obviously there's talent there, but like, I don't think you're ready. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How did that make you feel? Oh man, I was like, fuck. Okay, cool. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think ultimately though, I knew I was just nervous. Mm. You know what I mean? And and I saw like I, I felt like, okay, cool, like, you know, whatever. Like, I'll go ahead and and I'll take these classes, like, as I should. And when I come back, you'll see that, like, you know, you I'm not, <laughs> you can't deny me, right? Like right. yeah, I did go take take some classes and then I ended up after a while, my dad set up a couple meetings thankfully right with two managers one of them whom i'm still with to this day oh wow hip pocketed me and just started sending me out on a couple of auditions like and one of them wasn't was an oliver stone film about the meli massacre that at the time was was called pinkville i ended up booking that and we were set to go to like vietnam and, oh wow and, you know this all over a period of like a year for people who don't know that's kind of unheard of like it usually yeah, takes many many years to get even auditions or representation let alone book a job for sure and and look i mean i have to say for anyone who's out there listening like me having parents that were able to walk me into two management companies you know what i mean yeah, and a little nepotism never hurt anybody and and it certainly was there you know and, and i have to thank them for that you know but then again there was there was a lot of there was a lot of like no's and then there was like, okay, let's get to work. So I was like, oh, hell yeah. Let's this go. is it. Let's go. Like, <laughs> yeah. I knew it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't be stopped. And then, like I said earlier, you know, the writer strike happened and everything was dead out here, you know? And so I just was like, I wasn't being productive. And it was time. I'm so glad my parents sort of made me do this or, or made me consider it. But like, I, I needed to get out of LA for other reasons as well, you know? Mm. So that's when I, I, I applied to, to Columbia College, Chicago. Shout out Columbia College, Chicago. So you went to Chicago? Went to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And what was that like? It was great. It's a fun city. I love Chicago. It's a really fun city. Mm -hmm. I probably had too, too much, much fun, fun out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably had too much fun out there. But in many ways, I think two things. One, I kind of grew into myself more as as a young man and and having to be out on my own and take care of my own bills and pay my rent and you know find a job i was working at jp morgan chase at the time as, as, a, as a bank teller but yeah it was great i mean i love that city there's so much culture so much arts like you can get into whatever you want like there's there's the arts there's there's you know sports it's a sports town of course food and you know all of that, you know, anything you want, but the weather sucks. And so oh, nice. I got seasonally depressed while I was out there a little bit. Especially and, you know, as a, as a Angelino going to Chicago. Yeah, I was like, yo, what is this? You know, and, and it wasn't so much the snow. Like I don't have a problem with snow. And what I don't are really clouds? have a problem with cold. <laughs> it's what are clouds exactly? <laughs> what is this? You know, why? And like, how do people live in these conditions? And yeah, but then I was also doing a lot of creative stuff. Like I was, did a couple of short films. I wrote a couple of short films. I, you know, I was, I was acting and, 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 and I was just like doing some writing. I was doing some music. Like I was just, I was doing some fashion merchandising stuff. Like, you know, I was trying to figure out that. And, and so like, yeah, there was a lot of just little, it was a, it was a chance for me to sort of 
sort myself out and experiment a little bit, I guess, you know, creatively. And um, yeah, I'm yeah. really grateful for that time. Um, but it also really led me, much like high school at New Roads led me to like, acting is what I want to do. Like, it, it became very evident that I need to be back in LA and that I want to be mm. pursuing acting full time. And, and given the opportunity that I had, like given my cards that I was dealt, having a manager already, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, let's go back to LA and do what, what we were doing now that this kind of writer's act has resolved itself. Like, let's get back to work. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how it was. In those beginning stages of your career, was there ever a blank there? Like, did you feel oh, ready enough? Oh, yeah. Did you feel talented enough? Did you feel? What? I mean, Gracie, <laughs> I'll keep it a butt with you. Right now, I still don't even feel talented enough. I don't feel ready enough. You know, uh -huh. I, you know, my parents both went to a uh, conservatory, you know, and, and so, and then, and then they've done a lot of, a lot of theater and I've done my fair share of theater as well, but, but never having that conservatory training and, and a lot of the actors that I look up to that are older and young who do have that, right kind of at times I felt like, well, maybe I should have really pursued that path because I feel like, you know, I, I'm not, and I have a lot of friends who went to Juilliard and Yale and stuff like that, Carnegie Mellon. And so for me, it's like, oh, damn, did I miss out on something? Am I, am I ill-equipped? Like, I don't have as many tools in my bag, as many in my toolkit as I need, you know? At least that's the feeling that I have. Mm -hmm. I don't know how accurate that is, you know, but, but like yeah. that's the feeling certainly that I have. And so, yeah, earlier on, I would always doubt myself. I think because also my parents walked me into that management company, it's like, did I deserve this? Right. You know, did I earn this? And if my parents weren't actors, would I really want to be doing this? Right. Sort of what, what was the driving force behind it? Yeah. Earlier on, it was, it was, it was really, really, really tough. Um, I think I still have days where it's really tough. I still have a huge tip on my shoulder. Like really, really, I think more than like, maybe sometimes people know. About because what? I, just, just like I got so much to prove. Like I, mm. I want people to know like that I, I need my, I need to know that I can really fucking go, but I also need certain people to know, to know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty common among the children of artists in general. Like if you're going to do what your parents do, whether it's even art, I think even if like you're a lawyer or a doctor and you're sure, a doctor, sure, or, you sure. know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, it's like, sure. Oh, am I going to, Am I going to live up to their status or their standards or whatever the case may be in that profession? I, I think it's really hard. I look at actors all the time, like bigger actors that have kids who start acting. And I'm always like, why are they acting? <laughs> like, like, and, and I know some of them, you know, like, yeah, I know, I know some do. of them. So it's like, and, 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 and I'm always like, man, like my hat goes off to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I can't even imagine. Because, you know, everyone's going to compare you to that person forever and ever. And it's like, how the fuck? Like, why? Everyone's going to go be a director, be a writer, be do something else. But but then, but then the other thing is, like, maybe you really are fucking pulled to doing that. You know what I mean? Like, like you're, yeah. you're called And if you see your parent doing that your whole life, then, of course, like, you know, you then it, then it feels possible to you, right? It feels yeah, probably more possible than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. also nepotism only gets you so far. I think nepotism, I so I don't have a problem with it. There's a lot of nepotism in Hollywood, but it's like. There's a lot of nepotism in the world. Like you would think to your, to your other point, just about whatever career path you choose, like there's a lot of people who are working at a certain company at a certain law firm. Exactly. Because of their, you know what I mean? But I actually think there's a difference. I think in, in our world, it's harder. Like I think in the business world, if you get a job because your daddy's the CEO, you will probably keep that job forever. 
you will yeah. probably become the CEO. Whereas if you're an actor and it doesn't matter who your dad is or your mom is, like you will get your foot in the door. But if you continually suck, people will stop hiring you. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Like we do our job like in in front of the world. Like yeah. so like if you're sucking, like yeah. that is in the presence of an audience. Like after a while, they're like, yo, I just don't fucking rock with this dude. Like, yeah, like yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. not good. Like you can't fake the funk in that. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna show itself. You better bring it. Yeah. You're not gonna get hired. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was the earlier lesson that, like, I was really happy. I'm really grateful that that agency was like, nah, go take some classes. Because it also mm -hmm. echoed what my parents were saying. It echoed what a lot of my parents' close friends were saying, right, Wh whose opinions I respect. And, and and it was all I knew I needed to be doing anyway, right? It's right. like, I've always said, like, okay, maybe I didn't go to conservatory training, but I did go get my training. Like, don't get it twisted, right? Like, years and years of theater, years and years of classes like and i still am in class like i still will you know work with the coach like i still do what i need to do yeah and and you know i battle with that too as you know we have these talks on set all the time different story because my lack of training is due to the fact that i didn't really go for it until later in life and then you know i started booking commercials right away but not to talk shit about commercials but it's not like acting in the way it's acting on a on a tv show or in a right, movie right 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 I feel like commercials is more about charisma and being good in front of a camera, like, yeah. and less about like a talent. Like a type. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can type and like in general, especially in the beginning when I was doing commercials, it was like, they just wanted a, a, an attractive person who could look into the camera, you know? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and say that one line. Yeah. But later when I wanted to like get representation and start actually working, I took all these classes and I took improv and I did and I was just like, I don't feel trained. And I thought about going back to school to get like a master's in the arts. And then I started seeing how expensive <laughs> graduate yeah, right. school was yeah, and drama yeah, yeah. school and how long it's, and I was like, nah, which is how I found IDSA, which is like this like part-time drama school out of London that's in LA now and did a, a year there. And it still didn't feel like enough, but at least it felt for like the first time in my life. I'm like, oh, this feels like training. Like I was doing yeah, Shakespeare yeah. and voice yeah. training and movement training and all these things I had never done before. And I was like, oh, this feels like acting. Like, yeah, yeah, like, for sure. For I'm sure. an actor now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but you set a foundation for yourself too, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, and it just, at the end of the day, I think it gives you the confidence that to be like, okay, maybe I do have certain skills or t tools I can tap, tap into. I feel like improv really did that for me with comedy. I feel like IDSA really did that for me with drama. I feel like I still need training. I'm going back to class in July, even though, you know, you know, it's like what people think if you're on a show, like, oh, then you don't need to be in class. I'm like, no, I think you need to be on the class even more. if you're. On a show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I would echo that sentiment as well. And, and also say that like, yeah, I mean, being on being on a show or shows like makes me definitely want to be in class more. But it's like as as an artist, right? Like you're always constantly learning and evolving and developing. And so, like, I don't think of it as like, oh, I've arrived and now I don't, I no longer need this. Mm -hmm. Now, I may not be in a class setting with twenty other people that are all green, and mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Like, I sometimes you have to find the right the right fit for you, or maybe it's just a one on one thing, right? Where you. Because of course, being on a show allows a little financial freedom. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, I can I can do a one on one, yep, twice a week, and that might really bring something more out of it. So we both battle with feeling sometimes not talented enough, not yeah. funny enough. I think. Oh, definitely not funny enough on the show, man. <laughs> Forget about it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. Uh, our show is definitely our cast. I feel like is so 
clearly split into two camps. <laughs> yeah. Of Which we won't co- say who, but I think everyone knows. No, I'm going to uh, say who. Oh, okay. Say who. <laughs> I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. Some people might be like, he's hilarious. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think we're all funny and we're all talented. We yeah. wouldn't be on the show if we weren't, right? Absolutely. Let's absolutely. toot our own horns for a second. Mm-hmm. But if you take the six of us, like Nicole, Echo, and Carl are clearly like the comedians of the show. They are just... Although, no, but but Wyatt is hilarious. Hilar- Justin yes, is hilarious. Justin is hilarious, wow. too. And you're hilarious, too. And I think I could be funny, too. But that's the thing. I feel like you, though, are a very, like, thespian actor. Justin is a very thespian actor. I'm not a, I'm not a thespian <laughs> I'm neither. <laughs> no, no. You got to give me some more credit. But I, I do think, like, everyone has their strengths, you know? And so... For me, I'll just talk for myself. You know, there's so many reasons to be intimidated. I'm coming in new. I'm coming in, you know, as the the added person. But to be in scenes with people who I know from the improv scene are fucking hilarious, like Echo Nicole and Carl. And then to be in scenes with you and Justin, who I know are like these like trained actors who've done theater and Justin went to Juilliard. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, God. (laughs) But everyone was so great and welcoming that that stuff went away pretty quickly. And then you just realize, like, just be in the moment, be in the scene, know your lines, we'll be fine. And let's all have fun. But it's like, it's really interesting to see how everyone approaches the work. You know, like, we all have our way of learning our lines. We all have our way of attacking a scene. And we all, we all have whatever we do when we get frustrated. <laughs> we all have the thing we do that when we can't remember a line. I usually cuss. I usually go yeah, fuck. Yeah, you get you get yeah you cuss. I get I get frustrated. Like, fuck. Uh, sorry guys. <laughs> it's just such an instinct. You get you get frustrated and then very apologetic. You're like I'm sorry. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry guys. Oh, I have to I have to go like I'll try try and then if I'm like okay okay get. I just like, yeah, like yeah, to yeah. breathe. You're like, okay, what is? And then I need to actually see the mm-hmm. words on the page. Like I'm like, someone give me a script because scripty could yell the line fifteen thousand times. I'm like, until I could visually see it, it's not gonna stick. But yeah, everyone has their own thing, and it's just so fun to watch. And I feel like even just being on set, that's you know, that's a masterclass in itself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and look, I think ultimately, like you said, being on set, especially with this group, but I would say I would just open that up to just being on set. Period. Like. That's the best training you can get. Mm. You're having to perform and execute under the circumstances of work. And then you you get opportunities to really see other professionals, right? And and their and their various ways of approaching the work. And you get to kind of learn and and and, and take what you wish from that as well. It's I mean, I there's nothing as many classes as I've been in and as many classes as I'll be in or teachers that I'll work with. And I think that's great for the homework and the prep. There's nothing like being all set. Mm-hmm. Which is also why I always encourage people, like people who are aspiring actors or working at the crowd or whatever. I'm like, just do stuff. Even if it is, sometimes yeah. that really bad short film is what's going to teach you the best lesson. You know what I mean? Like make your own shit, be in other people's shit. Like just work, just get in front of that camera because the more you can get in front of it, the better you'll be. Absolutely. I think in between both the pilot and getting picked up, like, there's this one filmmaker that I, I love him now just as as a person, but like who has asked me to do, I think maybe three of his films now. And every time I don't know what's going to happen with them, you know, and I'm, I'm sure eventually something will come come of them. But like, I remember just distinctly like saying, OK, I'm going to do this because I, I don't have anything to do right now, obviously, with the pandemic. And then two, like it's going to be in preparation 
of the show. It's going to be in preparation of a league of their own. And I just wanted to be like in that mindset in that, you know, in that, in that space mm-hmm. and try some things out. Right. It's like, that's maybe for me, like as a basketball player, as an ex basketball player, it's just like going to get some shots up, you know, it's doing some drills. And it's like, you don't necessarily, not everything has to be, I actually like sometimes when I don't think it's going to be seen or when I know it's not going to be seen, mm-hmm. that's when I really like to work. Right. You get to really just kind of be in like in, in the sandbox and there's a freedom in it. Yeah. Okay, real quick, separate from work, mm-hmm. are there any blanks you feel in your personal life, like maybe with your girlfriend or with your parents or with your family or with your friendships? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm not present enough. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm not as transparent or vulnerable as I would like to think that I am, mm-hmm. right? Like as it relates to maybe my relationship, like I can remember sort of projecting my feelings about myself onto her like well I just need you to just open up and then over time I've realized like when when things get a little tough or when when I'm feeling a certain way that I that I definitely I definitely could stand to be a little more direct and transparent and vulnerable and so yeah I think there's there's that you know I, I, I as a man you know sometimes sometimes I don't feel as attractive enough sometimes I don't feel as as accomplished Mm. enough as i'd like to right mm. i think especially as you be as you, as you get older and you and you, you want to be a provider and you want to be able to sort of create a life you know whether it be with someone or just by yourself like i think that's a that's a feeling that we all have you know i mean it can be exasperated by social media but like of just like not feeling like damn i'm not far along enough i'm not yeah, <laughs> you where you know thought what I mean? you'd be at a certain not age. where i thought i would be you know and so yeah, that's a good one. We should talk about that a little more. We should. We should <laughs> Not accomplished you know? enough, I think, is a is a big one. It's it's one I I struggle with all the time. I feel like I've had so many different jobs and lives in my in my in my lifetime. You have had many lives. I've had many many lives. <laughs> it's funny because I was on Nicole's podcast. And yeah. she was like whipping out. She's like, so you were a stylist and you were this. I'm like, oh, God, yes. Why are we yeah, talking about yeah. This? I'm like, yeah, I've had many jobs uh, uh, throughout, <laughs> my, throughout my life. And I feel like I because I bore easily, I think I like get into like a new thing and I'm just like, all right, let's see how far this can go. You know, and I get to a point where I'm like, OK, that's that's fine. That's far enough. And that was I'm enough. Like, <laughs> I'll move on to the next thing. Acting is the only thing I've always wanted to do since I was like a kid, but never actually pursued it until I was like. 30. I was I was going to ask you, I don't know if we've ever talked about this and we may have. And if so, I apologize. But selfishly, I need to know, like, at what point did you you said 30? Like, what was it that really clicked for you and was like, no, OK, now's time. Was it a confidence thing, a lack of confidence? I think it was partly this first generational guilt of like, I'm the first one to go to college in my family. My mom was a single mom, immigrant, like worked her ass off to give me an excellent education. And it felt like you can't go to NYU and study acting. Like you have to go and you have to get a quote unquote real job. You know, like that was always in my head. And the irony is, my mom never put that on me. Like my mom is the most supportive, wonderful mom who's like, do whatever is going to make you happy. So where did this come from? So I originally thought I was going to do business because that's when my parents work in finance, my mom and my stepdad. Why? I don't know, because I hate numbers and I hate all that stuff. And I hate, I'm horrible at math. And you know how they say sometimes like 
something's like a blessing in disguise. I didn't know anything about applying to colleges. I always just was like, I'm going to NYU. I'm from New York. I love NYU. Fine. So that was that was your that was your. Um, I applied to three schools. That was your dream school, I guess. Yeah, I was that was always my dream school. Okay. And so, but what I didn't know because I didn't know anything about this college process. My mom didn't go to college. Was that every university has colleges, right? And you apply to the individual colleges within the university. And so I only applied to the business school, Stern Business School at NYU. At NYU, right. Like a okay. dummy. And they're like, yeah, no, you're not smart enough for us, but <laughs> you can come to NYU. You can do this two-year liberal arts program, and then you can decide which college you want to go to. I see. Okay. And so I did liberal arts, decided I wanted to be a... <laughs> Decided I wanted to study broadcast journalism to be a reporter slash anchor woman, which in my head was like the professional way to be in front of the camera. I see. Okay. That's hilarious. I love it though. The more right, like okay. stable way to be in front of the camera. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. And right. so to make a very long story short, like that turned into me working at ABC News like right out of college, like literally like two weeks later and realizing, oh, fuck no, I'm not doing news. News is depressing. I'm too sensitive for this. Like, get me okay. out of here. Went to MTV to work in entertainment news because I was like, oh, at least this is fun stuff. Yeah. And then I started producing. All the while, though, I say I, don't, I didn't really start pursuing acting until I was 30 because in my 20s, I toyed around with it. I got headshots in New York. I did like a play here and there. But I never was like full out. And I never like, I think I, I, think I took one class. You know, I, I was always too afraid to like go for it. Yeah. But being at MTV was what I think did it for me because I was constantly around VJs and actors and celebrities and musicians and all these freaking famous people who were all in front of the camera who were all doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so it was around 26, 27, where there was a crossroads at MTV where literally like one of the producers of TRL was like, we want you to come to TRL so I can kind of like groom you to take over my job because I need to move on. And I was like, Ooh. like, it was like a great opportunity, but I was also like, no, if I do this, I'm in, I'm in it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a commitment. And I'll never forget. I went home to my mom's house and I was like, mom, I think I'm going to quit MTV and move to LA to be an actor <laughs> at 26, almost 27. And she's like, okay. And so I did it. And then I came to LA and did commercials and kind of how you said you had too much fun in Chicago. I had too much fun in Los Angeles. <laughs> For about three years. And then yeah. I was like, oh, bitch, you're 30. Get this shit together. And that's, sure. that's really, when really that's when I was like, okay, I'm an actor now. I'm getting into classes. I'm doing a thing. So, yeah, I feel like though it was always in the back of my head and something I, I, I toyed around with, it wasn't until 30 where I was like, yeah, if you're going to do this, you really need to get serious about it. Okay. Okay. And with all that, I don't feel accomplished enough. I feel like I started too late. I'm... I feel so blessed to be a series regular on a TV show on NBC. And and I think the cool thing is people hear my story and they get inspired like it's never too late. Because, yeah. you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. It took 13 years <laughs> for me to get here. But I do believe you can go after your dream at any age. You know, I, I think there's always going to be an outlier. And, and why not it be you? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. So, Aaron. Mm -hmm. Gracie. What should we call the episode? Oh, man. Not smart enough, not fitting in enough, not belonging enough, not accepted enough, not talented enough, not ready enough, not deserving enough, not proven enough, not present enough, not transparent, not vulnerable, not direct, not attractive, not accomplished. Wow, you gave me a lot. I tried to, man. You know? You gave me a lot of blanks. I'm a, I'm a very insecure person, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Maybe you're not secure enough. Yeah, yeah. Not, honestly, not secure enough. How about that? I love it. 
Look at that. Look at that. We did it. We did it. You know, and I think that's why we get along so well because I am so I can say all these things as well. Like Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, it's like why not I was really looking forward to being on this because, you know, unlike some of the other podcasts that I've been on, which have all been great, like when I listened to previous episodes, I was like, oh, this is just us having a conversation. I could talk to you all day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I was like, oh, I, this gives me an opportunity just to be just to be myself and be real. Other experiences, like I felt like I have to be an idea or I have to mm-hmm. be like you know, entertaining. So, entertaining or I have to be funny. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, nah, I don't know if I'm any of that, but but I can be me. Yeah, I appreciate this this platform and I appreciate you, you speaking with me. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I think that's why people really resonate with the episodes because it is just people talking about their lives. And what I love is that, you know, granted this this uh, little Grand Cru season is so small, but like if you take even our last like 40 episodes or whatever, everyone's so different. Whether you're black, white, you know, Latina, Latino, LGBTQ, white, straight, whatever the case may be, we all have this shit. <laughs> like, Absolutely. like we That's all just being human, have right? it. Yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. just Absolutely. all human. It's just such a great, it's just such a great example of like, yeah, we all we all go through it. We all we're all constantly thinking, overthinking. We're all constantly judging ourselves and others, and it's just a part of life and a part of being human. And and we all have these blanks, and 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 that's you know what makes us. Who we are. Yeah. And that's, and that's great. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, baby. So before we go, please, please plug along. I want you to plug what you got going on. And particularly, I want to hear about A League of Their Own. So coming out this summer, we have A League of Their Own. I'm in that, which I'm really excited about. It's on Amazon, Amazon Prime. They're going to be releasing all the episodes at once. It'll be airing this summer. There's some amazing people involved in that project from, obviously, Abby Jacobson to... Shantae Adams and Darcy Darden. Bimmy Solo plays my wife in the show. And so I'm looking forward to, to that airing. And then right now I'm doing a film with Justice Smith and David Allen Greer, Aisha Hines, and a few other amazing, amazing actors titled American Society. I'm not exactly sure when that'll be out, but I'm looking forward to that. Then I'm going to be working with you, actually, which yeah. I'm really excited doing this, this true story episode. I guess we'll be doing that in July sometime. And so, yeah. So, True Story. I don't know if I've talked about True Story on here. True Story is a web series that I um, helped to produce. That my friend Matthew Law, who actually did an episode, he did our second episode of Not Blank Enough. He's a dear friend and creative partner of mine. And it's a web series or digital series about a black therapist and his patients. And the first episode has done incredible on the film festival circuit. And so now we're shooting more episodes. And so I wrote an episode and Aaron and I are going to co-star in it together. And you also produce it, correct? Right. I produced the pilot and I'm producing some of the episodes, not all of them, but yes. Yeah. Okay, right on. So yeah. we got a lot going on and then we get we to shoot Grand Crew in September. And Grand Crew in September coming back. So I'm really, really looking forward to that, getting back to work with you all and the rest of the crew and, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So that's what I got right now, mostly, and doing some writing, and we'll see what comes of that. I love it. Well, thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for being on the show. Not Secure Enough is our title. Not Secure Enough. And I love you, and I'll see you soon. I love you, too. Thank you for having me.
thank you for listening to Not Blank Enough. You can learn more about our guests in the show notes. Please subscribe to Not Blank Enough wherever you get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, consider leaving a rate and review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Not Blank Enough Pod. Our show today was executive produced by Gracie Mercedes and Dave Hill and produced by Douglas Sarine and Colleen Beasley. Not Blank Enough is a Gumption Pictures production. Mm-hmm.